This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 17. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. I'll carry my own pulpit next time. You don't have to do that. Sorry. Okay, I didn't see any mice. uh, mice. I might have seen mice. I didn't see any moose this this, uh, week. Although I... I, um, Somebody left me a name tag on my desk and I put it on today. It says Chichaco. Whatever I don't, I, you know, I don't know what it means, but uh, no, I actually I do know what it means. Uh, on my day off, I I drive. I just get in my car and I go someplace. I don't have a map. I just sort of explore. It's sort of my method of trying to figure out this place. And so, uh, uh, Friday. I did that, and I ended up driving down Seward Highway and kind of kept going along the Turnigan, Turnigan Arm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, and and the, stopped at this overlook because I saw a, a couple buses there and lots of people kind of gawking out over the river. I thought, oh, there must be something to see, you know. So I stopped and, and looked, and it was just these little tiny ripples in the water. I guess that was uh, uh, boar tide? Boar tide, yeah. Maybe it wasn't a good day for it. But at any rate, it was just stunning, and I kept driving, and I just uh, was loving the the beauty of it all. And I ended up finding my way to Girdwood, and I drove up to the uh, Alieska uh, Hotel, 
And I just wandered around there, and it was just uh, wonderful. And then I, I still had time, so I came back and took a left somewhere in Anchorage someplace and ended up driving all the way out um, to, the, to, the, to the end of the runway of uh, the, Alaska, or the uh, Anchorage airport. So I parked my car there. If you haven't done this, this is just unbelievable. And you can get out of your car and you can walk up on the little bluff and the, and the planes come in right over your head. So I've got my little, you know, iPhone trying to take pictures of the thing, and the planes were just going so fast. I've got like eight pictures where it's just nothing but sky. I missed, I missed the plane together. So I, I couldn't share that incredible experience. But anyway, uh, enough of that. I'm, I, I, I tell you that just because I, I love this place where you live, and I'm doing my best to try to get to know it. And um, if you have advice of some place that I should wander the next time I wander someplace, I'm, I'm open to it. Uh, so you've, you've been here longer than me. Anyway, we find ourselves today in the middle of a series of sermons that we're calling Life Together, which you see on the screen behind me. And um, we're going to try, during the course of this series of sermons, kind of lay the framework for what it means to be the people of God uh, in, in a church like Community Covenant Church. And if you'll remember from last week, we talked a little bit about the sort of the foundational basis of life together was two things. Do you remember? One, that we love God, right? And that we love others as the foundation. And today we're going to pick up on that theme, not exactly, but we're going to kind of follow it sequentially by uh, reflecting for a little bit on this text that was read for us a moment ago from the uh, Romans chapter 12 about um, another important aspect of living life together. And uh, in this case, it's about being gifted. God has given each of us the capacity, the unique capacity, to, to have and use gifts that are meant to be used. And so if, uh, if you're the kind of person that uh, likes to daydream during sermons, that's fine with me. I, I had a, a, a guy in a church once, and I, I kid you not, he sat about five rows back to the left side, and the moment I stood up to preach, his head went like this. Now, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, some of you guys are tired, and you need to sleep, and I'm, I'm happy to offer that. But uh, um, <laughs> one, one, day, one day, I was just playing around with him, you know, and I, sure enough, I get up to preach, and his, his head bobs down. Uh, and uh, so as I'm preaching, I kind of do one of those, you know, big, and Jesus. And you should have seen his head. His head went <laughs> like that. It was great. So every, every once in a while, when I saw him sleep, I would do that. And I, I won't do that here. I, uh, that's not in my script. I don't know where I am right now. Anyway, let's start from uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and uh, let's reflect together on what this might mean, this, this, uh, this notion, oh, that's right, this notion that we have all been gifted by God and those gifts are meant to be given away. So there's my sermon in a nutshell. If you, if you want to nod off now, go for it, okay? Paul begins by saying this, For by the grace given to me, I have never noticed that before. I have preached sermons on the gifts uh, texts many, many times. First Corinthians has a text. There's a small, there's a small list in Ephesians, and, and there's this one. And I have never noticed this one in Romans before. 
For by the grace given to me, Paul says. And then, and then Paul uh, proceeds to describe what life together looks like as a result of being a recipient of the grace of God. You see, it's all, uh, all of the gifts that God has distributed to us, all of the unique gifts, are predicated on this one incredible thing, that God is the giver of the gift. Now, that changes things, you see, because I've preached this, this text before, and I've kind of, uh, I don't like to guilt manipulate, but I've kind of said, okay, here are some gifts that, God's, that, that are meant to be used in the church. Go find your gift, and if you don't, you know, you should be. You know, and you kind of feel bad about that. But this changes the whole context of, of this sermon and the way we look at this now, because now the gifts that we have to give aren't ours to keep. They have been given to us by God. And so that's, that's, the, that's the basis for which Paul is going to go on and, and elaborate uh, for us about how a, a community of faith like us uh, lives together, takes seriously this idea of life together. Um, so he frames, Paul frames his entire discussion in the context of the gift giver. And that's really important. And then he, excuse me, then he goes on to say, For by the grace given to me, there is one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function. Thank God for that. In other words, what Paul's saying, I think, is since we have been recipients of God's grace, so that's, that's behind all of this, and the word that Paul uses here uh, to talk about God's grace is the word charis, which means gift, okay? We have been given these gifts, Paul says. Guess what word that is? Charis. So in effect, what Paul is saying is that from charis to charis, from grace to gift, from grace to gift, Paul says, we have been recipients of these good gifts and they're not ours to keep but to give away. Now, when you... Stop and you think about that for a moment. This is a pretty incredible statement to make about what God has entrusted to us, don't you think? I mean, I suppose God has the power and the, the ability to sort of uh, wave his hand and have grace uh, fall like rain, which we'll sing about later. But God has chosen you and me, to be the vehicles through whom this gift is distributed in the world. Wow. God intends to grace the world. God gives, and we are the ones who have the privilege to distribute that gift. See, there's no guilt manipulation here. At least I don't want there to be. Now, have you ever played that uh, fun Christmas uh, gift-giving game? Well, I don't know what you call it uh, up here in Alaska. It's probably got some really clever name. But in effect, you go to a, a Christmas party, and everybody brings a wrapped gift, and you pull a number out of a hat. And then the first person, do you know what I'm talking about? Is this, is this like sound familiar to you at all? Okay, okay, good. First person gets number one. They get the first choice. You choose a package. You open it. If you like it, 
You keep it, you hoard it, you hide it, because you don't want anybody else to take it away from you. If you don't like it, you give it to somebody else, and you get their gift, right? And so the object of this game is effectively um, to get the gift you like and do whatever you can to keep it long enough so that when the game's over, you can walk out with the gift that you want. It's a fun game, and... You know, when you get a dud of a gift, you're talking with your spouse in the car home and going, I'm wrapping this thing up next year and giving this thing away. I don't want this. You know, you, you, we've all done that. Um, but the interesting thing about the nature of the gift that God gives is that the game that, of gift giving that God is playing, if you will, is exactly the opposite from the game I've just described. We receive the gift that God has given us, and the first thing that we are responsible to do with that gift is to give it to somebody else. Wow. And, and, and in the mystery, in the mystery of God's kingdom, there's more where that gift came from because of the unbounded grace of God continues to provide us with all of the gifts that we will ever need in a lifetime. So what basically happens then, the more that we give away our gifts, the more, it was, the more that it is replenished by the inexhaustible grace of God, the gift of God. God's grace is inexhaustible, but you can't hoard it. There's always more grace where that grace came from, but you can't store it up for a rainy day. The gifts have to be given away. Well, moving on in this text then to Paul's sort of metaphor for how we understand this, this gift giving and receiving uh, in the context of a, of a church community like ours, Paul uses this metaphor of the body, which is a really a, it's really a wonderful metaphor because I, it's, we all understand that, right? We all understand that, that our bodies function uniquely, not because all of us have uh, you know, multiple eyes, but we got two eyes and we got two feet and we got you know, little toes and, and, and things that in, in the scope of it, you'd think, okay, I, I can get along without it. But in reality, we are not whole as a human being um, uh, unless all of the different parts are somehow working together. And that's the, the metaphor that Paul is using here to describe how the gifts are distributed and how they're supposed to function then in the life of the community. Paul, he provides us with this framework of where the gifts come from, which is from God, and then he follows it up by talking about what life together looks like when we start uh, expressing these gifts in the body. At verse 5, he says, We are one body, many members. In Christ, we are many, yet one. And you've probably heard that. Well, you heard it this morning. And here's the part that I want you to ponder for a moment. And then he says this, Each of us belongs to one another. Well, wait a second. What's with that? I mean, I, God has gifted me. Well, uh, I... You mean my gift belongs to somebody else? And if I'm reading this correctly, I think that's what Paul is sort of drilling down at here. 
He's saying that the importance of this body metaphor is that we understand that the gifts that we have are ours um, to benefit others. And um, this really, if you think about it, is, is a radical reversal of everything that we have come to believe as, as Americans about life and success, right? I mean, we, we define success in the world uh, by people who are living life to the fullest, who, uh, who um, are considered successful because of the kind of dr- uh, cars they drive or the size of their homes or uh, the elaborate vacations that they take. But the most successful people in God's kingdom aren't those. The path to success in God's kingdom is not up, but down. The path to significance in God's kingdom is not, is not more stuff, but more grace that can be given away. Listen to this. The church, the church is not a collection of individuals who, who agree to pursue some common purpose for the common good, as good as that may be. We're not that. The church of Jesus Christ, according to Paul in this passage, is a living, breathing organism where the individual parts are only as important as they employ their unique gifts for the sake of others. Do you see the difference you know, I've, I've done a few marriages in my life and uh, pastoral ministry, and I, I really love doing them, but I, and this will be true for me too. There's some place in the vows of most marriage vows where there's a phrase that suggests that each person belongs to the other. And I, there, I haven't done a wedding where I think that the people that were, that were making those vows had any idea what they were saying. I didn't. 28 years ago, I stood on a platform like this and was married to my wife, and I had no idea what it meant when I was saying to her, I, I belong to you and you belong to me. I had no idea. And, and sometimes I think what happens, and this isn't a sermon about marriage, and this is not meant to be a statement to make any of you who uh, um, are no longer married for many good reasons to feel bad. I'm, I'm just, it's just an observation that sometimes when marriages go off the tracks, in my observation, it's because one or the other of the couples have forgotten that they've given themselves away. I'm just making an observation. But this, this is what I think Paul's talking about when it comes to understanding what it means to be one body with many members. The reason why life together is so important to Paul is because he recognizes that no one person can embody all of the gifts. There's not, none of us can do it all. So that every single one of us who has been gifted by God has something to offer God's kingdom and the world. Well, as we continue in this passage and we uh, go down to verse 6, look at what it says here. Paul describes, um, as as he does elsewhere in his letters, I think 1 Corinthians has a gift list and so does Ephesians. And then Romans. But some of the gifts that comprise a healthy community that is pursuing life together, um, Paul lists. 
And again, he starts this next section by saying, according to the grace that has been given. There's that connection again, back to charis, back to, to gift, right? Back to the giver. Some people have studied these passages on the gifts, and you might be uh, among those. And they've looked at all of the gift lists and they've created uh, complex diagrams for if you have this gift and here's the descriptions and here's the kinds of ministries you should be plugged into. And that's all well and good. And we probably have lots of books like that in our library. I wouldn't be surprised if we if we did. Um, But we need to be careful when we look at this these lists and and automatically assume that this list comprises the extent to which God has given gifts. It's not a complete list. In fact, it's a representative list. So when Paul says, some have the gift to prophesy, or in other words, to be truth tellers, that doesn't mean that, that uh, everybody has it, or that if you don't have that, you can't have something else. Some have the gift of service, some have the gift of teaching, encouragement, generosity, leading, and mercy, and so on, and so on. But please understand that that if you have a gift that doesn't make this list, or you have a prompting or a sense about where you fit in to God's kingdom, and it doesn't fit neatly into one of these categories, don't despair. It's okay. I don't think Paul intended for these lists to be representative of of the only gifts that were made available. In fact, um, uh, one of one of the authors that I really like to read now and then, named Marva Don, has uh, commented on this particular passage, and she said that Paul might even be making a case that people can have more than one gift at the same time. And her observation is based on the fact that when he uses the verbs in this passage are plural. So there's sort of an assumption inherent in in the way he structures the language that there might be people that are gifted uh, prophets and gifted with mercy. No, that's probably not a mix. But you get my point. You, You may not even be limited to just one gift. You may have more. Well, let's really take a a quick kind of uh 10,000-foot flyby. No, you can't fly that low, can you? Uh, 15,000-foot flyby at these gifts. And, and, and just I'm going to just hit on them very briefly. This is not a sermon about gifts. If you're really interested in this stuff, I would highly recommend that you stop at our library and see if we have a book about it. Or maybe there's a, a you know, maybe Amazon has something. But there's a lot of people that have written a lot about this stuff. But um, anyway, so the first gift that Paul lists in this, uh, in this list of gifts, which, by the way, this list is not from most important to least important. Okay, that, again, don't, don't think that. But the first gift is prophecy. Earlier you heard me refer to this gift as truth-telling. Uh, and uh, the reason I said that is because in most cases, in the Bible, when we read about the prophet or the person that has the gift of prophecy, it is not referring to someone who predicts the future. That's not the kind of prophetic gift that Paul's talking about. Rather, it's almost always referring to the person who tells the truth about God. Somebody who, who has this gift is not afraid 
to tell it like it is. A person who has this gift has, has an acute sense of what is right and what is wrong and isn't afraid to stand in a crowd of naysayers and speak and advocate on behalf of something that goes against the tide. Now, this happens to be one of my gifts that um, I, I have a love-hate relationship with because I love to be able to speak the truth but I don't always like it when people don't respond to my truth the way that I would hope that they would. But nevertheless, this gift, this community needs people who speak the truth about God and who are willing to do it because that enriches our life together. And that's the point. The second gift is service. Sometimes this gift is referred to as the gift of helps. And this is the person who has sort of this, this, uh, this innate desire to come alongside other people with tangible acts of service. I've got a friend down in Seattle that basically, um, for as long as I've known him in the last four or five years, has said to me, if you need a ride to the airport or you need to be picked up from the airport, I'm your guy. What a great act of service. You know, I keep trying to give him a $20 bill to thank him for his gas. He'll have none of that. He has this gift of service, and he loves serving in any way that he can. These people who have this gift are most fulfilled, guess when? When they're serving. In fact, if you gave these folks the choice of being in a really deep Bible study or a prayer group um, or serving, what do, you, what do you think they would choose? It's easy. They would serve because that's how God has wired them. And, and this gift is an important part of the community because it helps those of us who don't have that gift to learn how to serve ourselves. The third gift that we have in this list is the gift of teaching. You know a gifted teacher when you've had one, don't you? They make their subject matter come alive. They take difficult concepts and they boil them down into a, a, a manageable way for us to understand. I have a good friend, another good friend, who is a reti- retired uh, school uh, principal and a teacher before that. And every chance he gets, everything is a teaching moment, Right? Everything is a teaching moment. And it's not kind of one of those annoying teaching moment type guys, but he is just, he just breathes and uh, teaching. And whatever he does, he wants to help people understand and learn in the process of living their life. And, and this community needs teachers who are able to make difficult concepts understandable for the rest of us. Encouragement. The gift of encouragement. Uh, you know, I think this is probably one of the most undervalued gifts of the, the entire uh, uh, list that's here. The person who has this gift usually is not recognized as sort of one of the movers and the shakers in the church. They're not necessarily on boards or committees or on ministry teams. They're not kind of blazing the trail to some new and improved 
opportunity to serve. Um, they are the people who work behind the scenes, coming alongside those of us who have gone through a rough patch in our life. And if you haven't gone through a rough patch yet, you will. And I am almost certain that the, 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 the encouragers will know it and they will come alongside of you. And they have this, this incredible ability after spending time with us in the midst of our, uh, our disappointment and our brokenness. And when they walk away, we have this new sense that we can fight another day. I don't know what they do. I don't know how they do it. But it's the spirit of encouragement that helps us make it through the challenges that, uh, that life presents. And I know that there are many people in this congregation who have this gift. I'm, I'm almost sure of it. Generosity or giving. The gift of generosity is a gift that everyone likes to think that they have, but nobody uh, wants to step up, or fewer people want to step up and actually uh, you know, live as if that's true. That's, that's kind of the irony of this. And on the one hand, uh, to be a follower of Jesus is to be generous. So um, you, don't, you don't have to say, well, I don't have the gift of generosity, so I don't have to be generous. Well, not so fast. Because to follow Jesus is, we, we are generous. But there is another kind of gift of generosity that I've seen in my ministry, where people uh, who have this gift have this unbelievable ability both to uh, make a lot of money and take great joy in giving it away. In fact, they've learned a secret that many of us have never learned. And that is um, that the more they give it away, the more God provides. If you have the gift of generosity, you not only find it easy to, to uh, be successful, but you find it equally easy to give away what you have. And I love these people because they bless people wherever they go and they don't think anything of it. The next gift is the gift of leadership. This is the ability to see the forest for the trees, so to speak. It's a natural leader in some ways that, that can't, can't even help but lead. You know? You're sitting in a room, you, you've met this person for the first time, and all of a sudden you're going, she's a leader. People want to follow him, right? Then you've got leaders who say, I'm a leader, I'm a leader. And then you look behind them, nobody's following. The gifted leader is the one who leads. And they do it in a humble way, without fanfare sometimes, but they're almost always at the center of very important decisions because people look to them for their leadership. And a congregation like this needs leaders in a lot of places because leaders help faithfully steer us through, uh, through and into all that God desires for us as a congregation. The worst thing that you can do is put somebody who doesn't have the gift of leadership in a position of leadership. And I want you to know that I've been guilty of doing that for years as a pastor. And only, it's only been a few years ago that I finally figured this out, that, that you know, if you want the organization, the church, the, the ministry to thrive, you need to have leaders that are leading. And then the last gift that Paul um, lists in this particular listing is the gift of mercy. Those who have the gift of mercy, 
which, by the way, I don't have. I, I marvel at this gift. They know how to bring healing and restoration to broken relationships and broken lives. They have this, they have this intuitive sense of when they can come alongside people who are hurting and care for them and stand beside them. They, they're not flashy people. They rarely get recognized in the church or the wider community. But this gift of mercy brings a healing salve that reminds us that life together can bring healing to broken lives. So those are the gifts. Now, you're, you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, well, I, I could have this one, or I might have this one, or I kind of like doing this, but, and, and it's okay. That's a good place for you to be. And, and there might be some of you sitting here today saying to yourself, you know, I don't have any of those gifts, good thing, so now I don't have to give anything away. Uh-uh. That's not, that's not how it works. I believe what Paul is saying is that all of us have been gifted. And all of us have the opportunity to give those gifts away um, as God provides us with opportunity. Well, the point of all of this is not to see who can have the most gifts or the most extravagant gifts or the gifts that are the most noticeable. But the point of this, getting back to Paul's metaphor of body, is that for us to function well as a community that's seeking to do life together, we need every single gift in this room. Do you believe me? We do. Now, I can't guarantee that we have room in, in our internal program and ministry for every single gift in this room. Because, you know, we've got another service with just as many people that sit here. That's a lot of gifts. But... Uh, our, our opportunity as a church is not just to enjoy the gifts within the walls of this congregation, but it's to utilize those same gifts where God gives us opportunity out in the community. I just met somebody today who this is their first or second time here at uh, Community Covenant Church, and I love to meet people like that because I say, hey, I'm new too. Uh, got any questions? Don't ask me. I don't have the answer. Uh, but they uh, work in Anchorage in social services. And I said, oh, you know, if, if you decide that you want to make this uh, connect with this church as your church home, I would love to uh, find out how this congregation could begin to uh, reach into some of the hardest places in Anchorage and, and use our gifts to give away. And, and he smiled and he said, um, I'd like that. Well, I, that, no, that wasn't just a clever, you know, hook to try to get a new guy to come back. But I really genuinely believe that the gifts of God that have been given to us um, cannot be limited to what we have within the bounds of our congregation. We've got to be looking outside. We've got to be looking uh, further away where there are needs, where there are opportunities, where there's uh, people that could use our gifts. Well, where does this put us? Uh, for some of you, this might be the first time you've ever thought about this idea. You know, you wandered in here off the street. Um, you don't know why. And you're hearing me talk about this gifting. And you're saying to yourself, well, 
you know, I've got uh, a college education and I'm working in my field of giftedness, which could be true, so I don't really need to worry about these other gifts that you're describing. Well, not so fast, because I think God gifts us in a variety of ways. So if this is new to you, I would invite you to explore, either by looking at this text more uh, closely or perhaps checking out a book from our library or buying one uh, at Amazon. Explore the gifts and see how God might be calling you to use your gifts. If you came here today and, you're, and you know beyond a shadow of doubt that you have been gifted by God, that's not, that's not your argument, but, but you're on the sidelines right now. Um, what I'm trying to do here is invite you into the playing field. You see, there's a sense that when a, a church goes through transition as we are in now, and you have a, you know, a transitional leader as I am here, um, I'm just going to kind of rest and relax on the sidelines and, and let things happen, and, and then I'll reinvest myself when the new pastor gets here. And I, I want to... I want to call you um, beyond that. I want to encourage you to not sit on the sidelines, not allow your gifts to, to sit fallow, unused, because God has graced you with those gifts, and God does not intend for you to sit and let them sit unused. Well, as we come to the end of, uh, of this sermon I would be remiss if I didn't say a thing or two about um, some opportunities that we have here at Community Covenant Church for you to right now get into the game. So if you could re uh, reach into your worship guide for just a moment and pull out this little insert that looks like this. At the top it says, Top 10 Leadership and Volunteer Opportunities. You see, you don't have to go back to college to learn what your gift is. You don't even have to take a gift inventory to learn what your gift is. All you have to do is, is step out and serve. And you will discover over time, I promise you, um, how you are gifted. One of the things that, that, that has amazed me and just warms my heart as a pastor, and I, I never get tired of it. I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's when I see people who discover that they have gifts and they begin to employ them someplace in God's kingdom, and the enthusiasm and the joy that follows that, the, the employment of those gifts. That's what I want for this congregation. That's what I want for you. So as a way to start, take a look at this list of opportunities for you to potentially uh, serve here at Community Covenant Church and uh, see where it goes. Check one of these. Take it home. Pray over it. Um, volunteer to be involved in something, someplace, either inside this church or in the community, because getting back to my main point that I keep uh, reiterating, I'm sorry, I sound like a broken record, we have been given these gifts, and the point is that we give them away. So if you feel God is calling you to use your gifts in this new season of ministry that we find ourselves in, I want to honor your discernment process, and I want to offer you the opportunity to, to pray with me right now a prayer of commitment to, uh, to begin to identify and use the gifts that God 
has given you. Would you uh, do that with me? The prayer is on the screen behind me. And um, if, if you're not there yet, if you're not quite at the place where you're ready to jump in, that's okay. Um, pray this prayer and pray the stuff that, 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 you can, that means something to you. Um, we don't want to push people into places that they don't want to be, and th- there's all kinds of wreckage along the, of the, the trail of church ministry when that happens. But we do want to help you get to the next place as, uh, as easy as we can. So, so let's make a commitment together to uh, see where God might be leading us to use our gifts uh, in the near future. Let's pray this prayer together. Thank you, God, for being the great giver of every good gift. You can join me. Thank you for your generous and abundant supply of grace that you offer freely to each of us this day. Because of the gift of your abundant grace, I have been given these gifts not to keep or hold tightly, but to give away. I desire to be a conduit of your good gifts and offer myself to you for the purpose of giving myself away for the sake of this community and the world. I, therefore, commit myself to seek opportunities to serve so that those around me may know this is what life together looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't, I can't emphasize enough the significance of being a recipient of God's grace and having that be the motivi- motivating reason why we both receive those gifts and give them away. I am committed to living that kind of a life, and I hope that you will join me over the course of the next few months. God bless you as you seek to find the place that God is leading.